0: Nothing is quite as chilling as a ghost town, except maybe for a ghost town that was full of life only 24 hours ago. Now, many folks are familiar with the classic tale the Roanoke Colony in the United States, but did you know there's a Brazilian version of this story? It involves the town of Hoar Verde, and that's what we discuss in today's episode. Listen Hidden, the podcast about bad things. Welcome, welcome, welcome into another episode of Killing, Missing, Hidden. I slightly did it the late episode of Killing, Missing, Hidden, but it's still the podcast about bad things and I'm still your old buddy Brad, a former fantastic criminal defense attorney who runs the show. But I'm not going to need my crime defending skills for this one because we're engaging in essentially what is a grand missing 411 type case, an entire city that goes missing overnight. Now, we've had some gruesome episodes recently. I recognize that. So I figured this would be a nice change of pace. Plus, I need a topic that I could kind of dig into and get spit out as quickly as possible since I was in Savannah this entire weekend and it was a lot of fun I really wish everybody could have been there first of all Savannah's probably the most beautiful city that we have in the United States second of all it was just a nice good group of people lots of experts in their fields talking about forensic investigations forensic or uh profiling specific cases that detectives worked on. Uh even some uh paranormal researchers were there. So it was it was fun. Met a lot of people. If you're if you're a new listener who met us there, hi. Welcome. Hope it's everything. Hope it's everything, you know, I promised it would be. And y'all even got to, you know, meet my wife if you came by, which is infinitely more interesting than me. I'm just lucky she has bad taste in men. Uh, I'm also forcing this recording in after a long day of work and coaching football and cooking dinner, which for me means I went and picked up fast food. Uh, So things are a little chaotic. If you hear background noise, I apologize because everybody's getting ready for bed. I'm trying to force this episode out. Because I love you people I'm doing this for y'all so please don't don't get feisty with me because right now I'll, I'll just cut you. I'm in that mood And you know we don't banter on here much and I'm gonna make a slight exception today, obviously. One more thing I want to throw out there is we have we we have a website you know kmhpodcast.com and it's a largely neglected website, and that's my fault because I don't know what I'm doing with my life. But we finally have revamped it a little, at least as far as the store aspect of it goes. So we've got some new merchandise up there, and we're taking a new approach to things. We've tried to do merchandising a couple of times before the first store. I didn't really like the quality of what was being produced, the second time, it just kind of became a mess with how many products we had offered. So we're doing limited runs from now on. Every month, you're getting new designs up there, 12 per month. And on top of that, if you live in the United States, we're doing free shipping. Nothing's overly expensive. I mean, I'm not trying to make a ton of money off of this. Basically, what you're seeing is is pretty close to the cost of what I pay Plus what it will cost for me to ship it. So please go check it out. It's kmhpodcast.com. If you want to go straight to the merch store, it's kmhpodcast.com slash shop. Very creative naming, I know. But I thought maybe y'all would be able to find it if I made it simple. And I would be able to remember it, more importantly, if I made it simple. Um. Going back to our Savannah trip, you know, that was a lot of fun. I think we're going to try to do more of that to the extent that my schedule allows it. So if there's any podcasting festivals, true crime conventions, any little expos that you think we would fit in at in your neck of the woods, drop me a line. I'd love to hear about it. You know, I mean, everybody knows about Crime Con and all those big ones, but the Savannah one was cool because it was, it was I mean, it was sold out, it had a good turnout, but it was still intimate, and we got to to talk to lots of folks, had a lot of fun, and uh, I'd love to do it again, so hit me up. Okay, for once, I'm going to stop bantering, I don't know I've ever said those words on here before, and we're going to go ahead and get into the story, all right? Sounds good? Beautiful. Let's travel back in time to 1923, okay? Think about what you were doing during this this wonderful year, 99 years ago. Me, personally, I was waiting for my parents to be born. Maybe my grandparents do. I I haven't done the math on that. But good memories. Just waiting. Well, down in Brazil, there is a mystery afoot surrounding the small town of Hor Verde. Now... I ran this through Google, the little Google tool that pronounces things for you, because I wanted to try to get that town name right. And honestly, you pronounce the first part of the town's name like Frank Reynolds would from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It it really is pronounced along the lines of whore. Whore. Yeah. So it's not me being cute. It's uh, just what the town is named, and I I can't help that. Now, I tried to find the exact location of this town in Brazil and totally failed. Best I can say is it's somewhat isolated, near the jungles, you know, the jungles that dominate the country, and it's either on the coast of the Atlantic or on a river of decent size. And there's some indications it may be in central Brazil. So probably middle of the country, on a river, in the jungle. Now, across whatever waterway this town was located on was kind of a sister village. It was much smaller than Hora Verde. And these two little pockets of life depended on each other to survive. So every day a boat would be sent from Hor Verde to this unnamed village so that they could trade supplies and food and other goods that were needed. But on the day of February 5th, the boat was late. And the inhabitants of the village were concerned because that was a pretty rare event. You know, the trade boat was always there at the same time every day. But things happen. So they said, ah... they must be having some issues. You know, maybe they're doing some maintenance. We won't worry about it. Then lunchtime comes, still no boat. Then it starts getting into the afternoon and still no boat. And they say, okay, this, this isn't right. They've never not sent a boat before. So the inhabitants of the village decide, you know what? We'll go visit them. So they take their little boats, fill it up with the goods they were going to trade, and they, go across the water. Now, as the villagers approached Verde, they noticed an eerie calm just seemed to radiate from the town. They immediately could see the trade boat. It was just kind of listlessly bobbing in the dock. And it was still tied down, and it looked to be in good condition. When the villagers reached the docks themselves, they saw nobody working, which, again, is unusual. There's always people at the dock. There's always little fishing boats going out, things like that. They get out of their boats and they're walking towards town and they notice something odd. There's no noise. There's no sounds of life. This, this town had something like 600 plus people in it. And there's no children playing in the streets, no people talking. Nobody working on their craft outside. They, the residents who visited said that the only thing that could be heard was this chillingly quiet wind that would gust through the town. Even more unusual, there was no animal noises. Again, we're on the edge of a jungle. There should be insects, birds, things like that. Not only did they not hear any of this, they realized there were no birds in the sky. There was no insects buzzing around. This place was totally and completely devoid of life in all respects. It literally seemed like, you know, yesterday on the 4th, the trade boat came, and on the 5th, every living creature just vanished. So the villagers kind of decided something's real bad wrong here. And they banded together to kind of form this de facto search party to see what had happened. So they start poking around and they find some funny things. At the outer edges of town, they noticed all the homes were abandoned. Not empty, but abandoned. And by that I mean all the household goods were there, there were some houses where clothes were still being hung out to dry on a clothesline out on the side of the house. A few even had food that was in the process of being prepared or had been prepared and was sitting on a table waiting for someone to eat it. And again, this entire time, research or the researchers, the villagers are hearing this wind that just keeps blowing through. And as they're in town, it gets creepier because some of these houses have their doors open so the wind's slamming it shut. I mean, this is a good setting for a horror story. Eventually, the group makes their way to the center of town. That's where all the bigger buildings were, including the schoolhouse. And the schoolhouse was probably the creepiest of all the buildings they went into. Now, it, too, of course, was empty, but they found a clue here, and that clue was on the chalkboard, for lack of a better term. I assume it was a chalkboard, but I really don't know. There's a message written up there, and that message is only, there is no salvation. Not the sort of thing you want to find when you're exploring a creepy village. so. I have never been called upon to search an abandoned town or the like, but I do feel pretty confident deep down in my heart that if I saw a message like this, my life would no longer be the same. How can you be stuck in a mysterious situation like this and not want to cry a little out of fear, you know, manly fear, of course, at seeing such a message? But, but... Let's let's take it up a notch. Let's make this just slightly more terrifying. Outside of the school in the dirt that kind of surrounded the building, one of the party members found a pistol. And, of course, he picked it up and looked at it, and the entire group noticed one thing. They could still smell gunpowder coming from it. It was like it had just recently been fired. It was at this point that somebody... Probably the smartest member of the group said something along the lines of, guys, I've seen too many horror movies in my day. We've got to get out of here before the sun sets. And thankfully they did. So they get back to their village and the elders of the village or whoever was in charge. Again, I can't even find the name of the village, much less their governmental structure. They decided that, look, we got to tell somebody about this. We got to tell the local authorities. Okay. Well, they're so remote and isolated that the local authorities would be the Brazilian army. They had a some sort of outpost or fort nearby here. So they go to this place, let them know what happened, and ask for their help. And the army agrees to help. So the next day, a platoon of soldiers shows up in the little village and they bring with them a couple of folks that are skilled in investigations. Maybe the Latino version of Sherlock Holmes. I don't know. Less wool pipes and more rugged good looks with excellent rhythm. Whatever. Um, a few men from the village were asked to join them to kind of lead the way. And they agreed to do that since obviously they had just been there. So anyway, they go across the water get to the town and when the military folks saw what was going on, they immediately, the officer in charge immediately said, okay, guys, y'all got to leave speaking to the villagers. You know, you you get out of this ghost town. We got things. Y'all go back home and be safe. Now we don't know exactly what prompted this. There's no details about this investigation. And from the sources I found, this whole incident has been locked down by the Brazilian government pretty tightly. The, in fact, the only thing that's really been leaked in any way, shape, or form is that the investigators there found more firearms throughout the city, and when they took them back to do testing on them... All of them had been fired within the last 24 hours or something thereabouts. Some reporters claim that the decision to lock this down and keep this matter top secret, yes, the call was made by that officer in charge of the scene, but that decision was eventually blessed and endorsed by like higher, higher ups in the Brazilian government. Beyond that, no one else knows what was found inside of Four Verde. And nobody would even be allowed into the town for many, many years. Lots of people have made an effort just to try to find any of the former residents of this town. Again, there were over 600 people living there at last count. But every attempt just to find one person has failed. It's literally like these folks were Thanos snapped away after firing some guns at something. And that is literally all the information that exists online about the town of Horror Verde. So let's get to some theories, shall we? Now, this is where the case kind of gets fun because everybody but Bigfoot is blamed for for what happened here. And I'm gonna go through some of the more popular theories uh, or maybe ones that I like better. But now, by and large, these are the most popular ones that you find. Now, first, this is probably the most creative one out of the lot. So I'm gonna lead with it. Keep your interest, right? Some people argue that a minuscule black hole briefly appeared and swallowed up all the residents, possibly taking them to a new dimension. Oh, what fun. All right, now, sadly, this is highly unlikely. I mean, first of all, it doesn't pass the smell test at all. But let's say it happened, okay? I actually researched this. Let's say... A tiny, tiny, tiny black hole were, for some reason, to appear in the middle of a town. Okay? Well, first of all, remember, a black hole is is called a black hole because it's so powerful that light can't escape it. Okay? So if light can't escape a black hole, how did all those bed sheets that were hanging on a clothesline not get sucked in? You know, had the buildings remain standing. I mean, had the trade boat even stay in the water. There's there it just doesn't that part doesn't add up. In addition to this idea, why would the residents be shooting at a black hole? Would they even have time to shoot at a black hole? I mean, I assume they weren't just walking around guns at the ready real twitchy from too much coffee and willing to shoot at anything that they saw that didn't make sense to them i mean that that would be not a fun place to live if that's how they live their life and they certainly i mean if a black hole is gonna appear it's gonna suck you up quick enough that you can't run and get your rifle before you go down this ultimate water slide right and if you're sitting there thinking okay 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 but but what if this black hole is like really, really tiny and it appeared just for a split second. Let's ignore everything else and just focus on that. Okay, somebody's actually done the math on like black holes and how much damage they do based on the size of it. So if you have a black hole that is one millimeter in diameter, okay? Those are those itty-bitty marks on a ruler, if you don't know what a millimeter is. That sucker would be powerful enough. Well, it it would be, it would have the same mass as 10% of our entire planet, okay? And it would be potentially strong enough to rip a third of the Earth into it. So, I don't know that a black hole could really appear in the middle of a town, suck away just the people leaving behind their dirty, tidy whities that are hanging on a clothesline and then just blink away. And we're diving into the obvious questions of, well, why would this occur? How would this occur? And things like that. Just That's, that's for a science podcast, which we're, we're not that sophisticated yet. So I'm not a big fan of that theory. But, you know, if we're going to entertain the idea of black holes, then we've got to entertain the idea of aliens, right? They go, we got, that's got to go hand in hand. Now, we don't hear many stories of mass abductions. I, I, I mean, off the top of my head, I can only think of really one story that I've heard of a mass abduction of this size where hundreds of people are taking. And, you know, Just showing up and grabbing 600 plus people would be quite a feat. Now, if you've mastered interstellar travel, then maybe it's nothing for you. But you're kidnapping an entire town. What do you need with those people? Why do you need so many? And there's no evidence to support this theory. This is just somebody said, we don't know what's going on here. Gotta be aliens. So, you know, if you wanna buy into that, that's fine. I just can't point to anything that says, yeah, you're right. There's some evidence to help you out. Um, I'm just going to say that because there's no evidence at all of anything that even smells like aliens, other than this just being kind of creepy, I'm going to say it's probably not aliens. Okay, but we're not done. We got other theories. We got other theories. Here's one that's less sexy. Evacuation. This is a pretty common theory because at this point in history, Brazil wasn't in its most stable state. See, a new president was elected in 1922, shortly before this mass disappearance occurred, and he was, I'll describe him as a compromise choice for president. Neither of the major parties liked him. But it was one of those where I would rather have this guy than your guy, you know? And he also really wasn't popular with the people. He, I don't know that he was a bad guy, necessarily. He just, he was, you know, he was the equivalent of getting socks for Christmas. It's, it's, it's fine, okay? Um, now, he did have a name, and I'm going to try to pronounce it, and I'm sorry. But uh, Arthur de Silva Fernandez. Now, he's elected. Nobody's really a big supporter of his. And on top of that, you've got this problem of revolutionaries throughout Brazil. They wanted some major changes to the government. And they were causing lots and lots of problems for the government because of that. But Brazil documented the history of their activities pretty well and all of their major actions that were recorded, none really took place in 1922. We have some minor revolts going on, but it's really like 1924 when things start to get serious. And they did have a history of taking over towns to use as base of operations and things like that. But you can't move 600 people without leaving some trace of them behind. They they, they didn't show up in a new city. They weren't kind of assimilated into these revolutionary groups. And if the revolutionaries wanted this town, why was nobody there when the villagers and the, the military showed up? So that's kind of hard to to buy into. And, and again, this was kind of leading up to, you know, Brazil had a huge uprising in 1930 and eventually kind of had the semi-civil war in 1932. But this is all 10 years after the fact. Again, Brazil has a history of pretty good record keeping and there's just no indication that some town grew by 600 people in this region overnight. Well, people like the evacuation theory because it does match with how some of these revolutionary groups operated, and it does kind of conform to the evidence along the lines of guns being fired and things like that. There's no signs of it otherwise occurring. I mean, even if you just limited your view to the town... There's no dead bodies. There's no bullet holes anywhere. There's no blood being spilled anywhere. I mean, there's just no evidence of a scuffle, period. And even if, let's say they come in, they kidnap all 600 people, which logistically would be impressive. And then they just decide to move on because they really don't need the town. Wouldn't they at least take the guns? Wouldn't they take some of the food, maybe some of the clothing? I mean, the revolutionaries aren't the sort that can just go into a local Walmart and buy the supplies that they need. They were in a position where they were having to scavenge and rely on the kindness of supporters to get what they needed. And so to have the resources of a town, a small town, but a town available to them, you think they would take advantage of it. So it's another one that doesn't really work for me. There's a lot more theories out there that are about as credible as the alien one where it's just somebody throwing up a guess, you know, shooting their shot and seeing what happens. I mean, I had to mention the alien one because it's aliens. But to me, the most likely explanation, the one that fits all these facts so well that I can't help but to buy into it is... This is all an urban legend. This never happened. I know, I know you expect me to be more eccentric. You expect me to bring some drama to this, but you know, the facts are what they are. There's this case is interesting because there's no discussion on the internet about this town before 2009. And standing on the shoulders of real researchers, there's apparently no mention of this event in any brilliant Brazilian newspapers at the time it would have occurred. Now, there are stories about it in American and European newspapers, but none of them rely on any real evidence. All the stories are kind of sensationalized, you know, where... My cousin's ex fiance's dog sitter said this happened. Those are the types of types and quality of sources that were being used to write these articles. And you know, this was not a time of uh, great integrity in the media. There are um, most of these S- internet sources. They all link back ultimately to one source. And that is an article from a Russian website that apparently has been translated into English by some folks who are smarter than me. And that's where the most of the story seems to come from. I don't know the website. It's in Russian anyway. I couldn't do anything with it even if I found it. But that's what most folks you know, that, that, that's where this is coming from, is one report off of one website. And we don't know the context of it. It could be saying, hey, we found all these articles from back in the day about this city. Pretty cool, huh? I don't know that it's advocating that there really was this lost city. It's also really strange, as I hinted at the beginning. Nobody knows exactly where Horror Verde is or where this unnamed sister village is located. Um, you know, Brazil's been a country for a little while, and as I keep saying, they've kept pretty good records, and including towns and census data and things like that. And according, again, to researchers who have actually done this, and I'm just stealing their work, I guess, um, there's never been... A town in Brazilian's recorded history by the name of Horror Verde. In fact, the name of the town doesn't really even make sense. Verde is a Portuguese word, it means green. But horror is not a Portuguese word, okay? It's Dutch. And it translates into prostitute in a rather derogatory way. I don't think you have to make much of an effort to guess what that word is. Um, You know, so we have a town that sounds like the name of a brothel, but written in two different languages. Others have pointed out that the cryptic clue left in the schoolhouse, you know, there is no salvation. Brazil is a very Catholic country, particularly during this time period. Very, very Catholic, okay? And so what we don't know is what language that was written in. And it's entirely possible that this could have been part of a Catholic study sort of course. And it could have been written in Latin because there is, you know, the, some of y'all I'm sure have heard it, the the kind of famous quote or uh, uh, axiom, you know, outside the church, there is no salvation. That's a pretty significant teaching in Catholicism. And so it's entirely possible that it's in Latin, somebody translates it into Portuguese and then gets translated into English and French and German and all this. And people are like, hey, this is creepy because why are they talking about salvation? Well, that seems like a pretty likely answer for it. And of course this assumes the school even existed. Overall, I'm saying, in my professional opinion, this is all hooey. Hooey, I say. Unless, you know, Bigfoot really is behind all of this. Because Bigfoot is a clever girl. And that's all we got. That's it. Since I was living up in Savannah, since I have dad duties, husband duties, and, you know, working duties... This was the best I could do for y'all this week. I was not able to record over the weekend because I was not home. And so, like I said, I have squeezed this in to my life as best I could. If I sound unusually tired and exhausted, that's because this is how I typically feel at the end of a day. But, you know, look, so is this our best episode ever? Probably not. It, but it tells, I mean, look, donut holes are better than no donuts. It's kind of my philosophy on this. So you get a fun story. You know, before we close out, I I just want to, you know, give a shout out to the Savannah Crime Expo for putting on such a great little event there. You know, it's, it's no crime con. And, and I don't say that in a negative way at all. Um, it's no crime con, but they know what they're doing. And they had some really awesome speakers there. And again, we got to meet so many cool people. I hope everybody who didn't go regrets it tremendously. You should be ashamed of yourselves. How can you even look in yourself in a mirror? I, I, I'm, I'm not talking to you right now, okay? Until you, apo- until you apologize, not just to me, but the city of Savannah, we're kind of on the outs. All right. Uh, palette cleanser to wrap this one up. This one was submitted from a listener by the name of Graham. And we're doing a joke rather than a riddle. So I guess this is a passive-aggressive way of saying stop with the stupid riddles, Brett. And according to Graham, this was voted joke of the year in 1897. I don't know if that's true or not, but I like the idea of that. So we're going to go with it. So this is, he even sent me a, a picture of the newspaper article. So this is exactly how it's laid out. Gorilla. Did you hear about the gorilla who escaped from the zoo? Zookeeper. No gorilla has escaped from this zoo. Gorilla. You think that because I'm a very quiet gorilla. Then in parentheses, muffled sounds of gorilla violence. What a great and stupid joke. I'm going to have to work the phrase muffled sounds of gorilla violence into my daily usage somehow. It's just too fantastic a phrase to not be used more often. So if you have the similar mindset of our old buddy Graham there and you like the dishes we serve up, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a flattering five-star review because you all know how fragile my ego is and I need it to get through my long and arduous days. Uh, Share us with your friends. We made so many new friends in Savannah. We gave away lots of goodies to our friends who came to visit us in Savannah. So help us grow our friends. You know, I've done my part. Okay. I I traveled for hours by car just to go meet people in Savannah. I mean, I even met a lovely woman who came all the way down from Canada. Uh, So, you know, if she can come down from Canada to savannah georgia y'all y'all can share this with a friend i'm not asking too much i'm begging a lot today aren't i i think it's i'm just so beaten down by the day that i just you know am whiny and not on my usual game so you know uh y'all can help that out by going to the merch store that i mentioned right kmhpodcast.com slash shop and buy it a whole mess of crap, and then maybe I don't have to work anymore. And I can do this full time, right? And then you get better episodes with the chippier bread. That would be fantastic. So anyway, okay, all right, all right, all right. Thanks for joining in. I'll stop being a doofus. Always love having you all over, but you know, it's time to go now. My bed is calling. I will leave you with this, okay? This is a quote: "Where there is mystery." It is generally suspected there must also be evil. Ooh, spooky. And you know at school, You know who said that? It's not like Stephen King or somebody like that. No, it comes from Lord Byron, the, po- the, the poet, the romantic era poet. He said that. So, you know, props to LB there. It's not just me yanking your chain. That, that's a good statement. Well, I mean. Y'all would never confuse something that eloquent with something I said anyway. All right. Y'all be good. Go do something that makes yourself happy today. Be nice to all your kids coaches because it's an exhausting job. Um, love y'all. Be good. Right out. You survived another episode of Killing and Hidden. The podcast about bad things. Join us next time for another True and thrilling story.